everyone. Hope everything is going well in the new year. Took a few weeks off for the holidays, but back at it. And boy, what a big week we're having with JPM Healthcare Conference underway this week. And I'll be spending some time on on my next episode to talk uh, about some of the big takeaways from JP Morgan. But it's time to take a look at what's ahead for Biopharma in 2023. There's a lot to cover, but I wanted to step back for a moment and take a brief look at key 2022 approvals. Now, there have been already a lot of reports talking about U.S. drug approvals in 2022, so I'm not going to focus on the comprehensive list of CBER and CDER approvals. You can find those in a lot of places. But it is important to note that there were far fewer approvals in 2022 compared to prior years. But we did see some very important new approvals that are likely to very significantly impact the care of patients with some very debilitating diseases. For example, the promise of gene therapy became a reality in 2022 with three new approvals. Two for Bluebird Bio with Zenteglo for beta thalassemia and Skysona for cerebral adrenal leukodystrophy. And the third gene therapy approval coming in later in the year was Hemogenics from CSL Bearing for hemophilia B. The year also saw the approval of Mervituximab, or Ella here, which is a folate receptor targeting antibody drug conjugate for platinum-resistant ovarian cancer. This is an important area of unmet need because women with ovarian cancer, especially those that are platinum-resistant, have, as of right now, very few options, and immunotherapy also doesn't work in those patients. So this is an important approval for that very debilitating disease. And also, there were two big approvals in the multiple myeloma space that are worth noting, with teclistamab, or you know, brand name Tecvali, and Legend Janssen's Siltacel, or Carvicti. It's a CAR-T product. We'll have to keep a close eye on these products. These products will likely play a clinically meaningful role in, in treating patients going forward as well. I did think it was worth noting there were there were two big disappointments in my view for the year for that were setbacks. First was most recently in the news, you've probably seen the announcements of Fate Therapeutics which recently announced that it had agreed with J&J to terminate a partnership that they inked back in 2020 to develop cancer immunotherapies. Uh, Losing its top partner in a deal that would have been worth billions of dollars is obviously a severe blow to to Fate Therapeutics. Now the company will have to go it alone and they're going to retool and shrink into a much smaller company. This is to cut costs and extend their cash runway. And in doing so, the company expects to cut its headcount from about 545 employees down to 220 um, employees, which is what they reported just recently. They also plan to trim their pipeline and they will discontinue some of their natural killer cell programs in AML, lymphoma, and in solid tumors. The other Disappointment, in my view, um, when a setback to the cell and gene therapy field is is team, team unity, uh, which really demonstrated very early promise for second generation CAR T's in solid tumors, and this excitement led to many rounds of big f- financing. Um, <laughs> but the plan with their plan to create a CAR T for solid tumors 
but but it ran into a huge setback. And this was reported back in 2021. At that time, Community had to scrap their lead program for prostate cancer following the deaths of two patients after they experienced lethal neurotoxicity. So what started as a voluntary clinical hold by the company in the face of these deaths flipped into an FDA-enforced um, clinical hold on the on the for the product. And the biotech scrambled and they tried to rework the CAR-T design with a plan to get to version two and get back in the clinic. But what's interesting, the company noted and what we all need to take away from this from this disappointment is that the cytokine profiles and solid tumors are completely different from hematologic cancers. In fact, the company observed immune effector cell associated neurotoxicity or ICANs. This is the same side effect seen with many CAR T's and heme malignancies. So this calls into question the role of CAR T's targeting solid tumors in general. But last year's layoffs and restructuring took a it really took out critical infrastructure that the company needed to advance the pipeline and community had to sell off their manufacturing to resilience, which resulted in the announcement just a few weeks ago by Kite that it would acquire the remainder of community. So let's turn our attention to what am I watching and what are the exciting products and companies to really keep an eye on in 2023? I think first we need to acknowledge that we have seen extremely loose monetary policy with easy access to financing at near 0% real interest rates for many years. This resulted in an explosion of new company formation in the life science industry. With interest rates and the cost of capital rising to more historical norms recently, I believe we're going to start to see, or, or I would say continue to see, an increased reliance on partnerships by emerging biotechs and a return to normalcy in terms of deal structures to help support ongoing clinical development for novel therapies. And while we're while it's still early in the year, I mentioned that JPM Healthcare Conference is, is happening this week, and we're already starting to see new partnerships announced at the conference. Again, I'll come back to that in, the, in our next episode where we do a, a brief recap. Regrettably, I, I predict that there will be increased restructuring and cost cutting throughout the year as companies focus their pipelines because they need to ensure that they have a cash runway for two to three more years to weather the financing storm. There are likely to be companies that will not be able to secure partnerships and financing and may have few other options to move forward. But this is all to be expected when the business cycle contracts. We just simply haven't seen this for more than a decade in biopharma. So let's get back to the companies and products that I'm paying attention to in 2023. The first is Vertex. They are expected to complete their rolling BLA submission for Exocell, an autologous ex vivo CRISPR gene-edited therapy for sickle cell and beta thalassemia. company expects to complete this rolling BLA submission in Q1. So we'd expect this product to be approved before end of the year. I'm also excited to see Iovance Biotherapeutics complete their rolling BLA submission by the end of Q1 for Lifelucil, which is a TIL cell therapy or tumor infiltrating lymphocyte cell therapy for the treatment of patients with metastatic melanoma. The company has publicly announced that they expect to complete their rolling BLA by the end of the first quarter. 
And I'm really excited about the rare disease space. We're, we're, we're expecting two big gene therapy approvals for a very debilitating disease called dystrophic epidermolysis bullosa, or DEB. DEB is a rare and severe disease that affects the skin and mucosal tissues. It is caused by mutations in the COL7A1 gene, which is responsible for, for the production of collagen. Collagen, as you know, forms anchoring fibrils that bind the dermis to the epidermis. The lack of functional anchoring fibrils in dead patients leads to extremely fragile skin that blisters and tears from very minor friction or trauma. It's off, this is a disease of young pediatric patients that often don't live past their teens. These patients suffer from open wounds, which lead to skin infections, fibrosis, which can cause fusion of fingers and toes and ultimately an increased risk of developing even an aggressive form of squamous cell carcinoma, which in many cases is fatal. So there are two companies that are seeking gene therapy approvals to treat DEB. The first is Crystal Biotech, who is seeking potential approval for their product, BVEC. Now the FDA just announced they pushed out their PDUFA date to, to May 19th. I don't believe there's a lot to worry about here, uh, but the company also announced some positive news that at their late cycle review meeting, their BLA review meeting, that which was completed on December 15th, they indicated that there would be no advisory committee meeting and that, more importantly, that there would not be a requirement for a REMS program for BVEC. BVEC is an investigational, topical, redosable gene therapy designed to deliver two copies of the collagen 7A1 gene when applied directly to these wounds in patients with DEB. DEB, or excuse me, BVEC was designed to treat DEB at the molecular, molecular level by providing the patient's skin cells the gene template to make more normal collagen protein. And this would then directly address the fundamental disease-causing mechanism. Now, there's a second company that's just behind Crystal Biotech, and that's Abiona Therapeutics, which announced positive top-line data from their Phase 3 Vital study of EB101, and they met both their co-primary endpoints. And the company announced plans to submit a BLA by, to the FDA by second quarter of 2023. What's really impressive is the company announced eight-year long-term follow-up of data and quality of life data from a completed phase 1-2A study of EB101 in dead patients. And that was recently published. And they showed that large chronic DEB wounds treated with EB101 had sustained wound healing with a mean of six, almost six years of follow-up and long-term symptom relief. So these two products together really provide an opportunity for these patients with this very debil debilitating wound healing disease, genetic disease, to lead a more healthy and normal life. Adapt Immune is the next company I'm, look, I'm following closely. It's initiated its rolling BLA submission for Cell, its first generation engineered TCR T-cell therapy targeting MAGE A4 for the treatment of synovial sarcoma. The, B, the BLA submission for Cell is supported by positive clinical data from their, the company's Spearhead 1 clinical trials in patients with advanced synovial sarcoma. The company plans to complete its rolling submission by mid-2023, and the application will be eligible 
for priority review under the FDA's Regenerative Medicine Advanced Therapy Program or RMAT program. Wanted to also talk, we, we just came out of ASH about a month ago and there was a lot of buzz around telquetamab and Janssen filed its BLA for telquetamab back in Q4 of last year. Telquetamab is a GPRC5D CD3 bispecific antibody that's being studied in patients with relapsed refractory multiple myeloma, including those patients that were previously treated with a BCMA-directed CAR T-cell therapy. So as I mentioned, the company presented really impressive data at ASH from the Momentals 1 study for this novel antibody drug conjugate. Lastly, I want to mention there were two regulatory submissions by Genmab and their partner AbbVie for epcoridumab. This is also a novel bispecific for relapsed refractory large B-cell lymphoma. Their regulatory submissions, um, Genmab in the U.S. and partner AbbVie in Europe, was made in the second half of 2022. And we expect that uh, really both submissions were supported by results from the diffused large B-cell lymphoma cohort of the pivotal EPCOR trial, where they evaluated the safety and efficacy of epcoridumab in patients with relapsed progressive or refractory CD20 positive mature B-cell and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, including DLBCL. Genmab and AbbVie's bispecific, which is already under review at the FDA, and I believe that we will know whether uh, the agency will review and approve the uh, product by, by summertime uh, this year. Just to close on cell and gene therapy, we, we're all hoping to see continued advancements and building on the success of 20, in 2022 into 2023. And we, especially in solid tumor oncology and cardiovascular diseases specifically, we are just beginning to see this coming cell and gene therapy wave of approvals. And at the time of this writing, as many as a dozen brand new cell and gene therapies could be approved for use in the US and Europe by the end of the year. As of now, the industry is tracking right on the FDA's prediction that it would approve 10 to 20 new cell and gene therapies a year by 2025. So we are seeing many companies trimming their costs and FTE expenses to focus their clinical portfolios and extend their cash runways. So if you are in need of fractional scientific, clinical, medical, or marketing support to help fill gaps in your internal capabilities and to advance your pipeline assets, please contact me directly at chris at bblsconsulting.com to schedule a short discovery call.